Welcome to The World in 10, which brings you the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by The Times of London today with Cara Bentley and me, Bhavani Vadi. And today we're going to be looking at how US support for Israel in the conflict against Hamas is waning. It is remarkable how much of a difference a few short months can make. In October, America's support for Israel following Hamas's attacks on their people seemed steadfast. Joe Biden went straight to visit the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and gave him a hug, albeit acknowledging from the beginning that civilian lives lost on both sides were a tragedy. But after weeks and weeks of retaliatory attacks on Gaza, the death toll is 29,000, according to the Hamas-run health ministry. Now the US has proposed a UN resolution calling for a humanitarian ceasefire and is opposing a major ground attack by Israel on Rafah in southern Gaza. And the reason this is interesting is that until now, Washington has been averse to the word ceasefire. And although this would be temporary, the Times' Middle East correspondent, Samir al-Atrush, told us that Biden's administration has grown increasingly concerned by the magnitude of the war. It does seem to be that the US is growing more and more frustrated with Israel. Biden has publicly stated that and privately he's he's used stronger language according to US media reports and uh, they would like to see the war uh, scaled down obviously and a political resolution to follow up soon after that. Uh, But there's not much by way of ammunition. In the past the US has used various means to to leverage its allies including Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Uh, In in both cases they cut off uh, certain arms shipments to them. Not entirely, but they froze certain arms. Nonetheless, that pressure didn't work. Uh, That's something that they'd be loath to do with Israel, I think, um, so soon after a major terrorist attack that killed 1,200 Israelis. And they don't really have much else to do aside from the wring their hands at this point and, and just try to pressure Netanyahu through diplomatic means. Samir also thinks it's a tricky situation for Biden, with the prospect of an early election in Israel, which many protesters are calling for, being quite appealing. They'd like to see a change in the Israeli government. Whoever succeeds Netanyahu, they think would be probably more reasonable and the government would be unlikely to be as hardline as the current one is. And in the meantime, hopefully the war loses its momentum. That's that's kind of their, their hope. And uh, uh, there'll be an agreement on the hostages. Israel has said that the operation in Rafah could take weeks to start as it plans to evacuate civilians from the area where Hamas's last battalions remain. Next, this is a truly international case involving a UK court hearing the lawsuit of an Australian citizen on a potential US crime after he took refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Yes, this is the story of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, whose supporters you can hear protesting outside the High Court in London, ahead of what could be his final bid to appeal his extradition from the UK to the US. He's wanted for leaking secret military files in 2010 and 2011, which included footage of a US airstrike in Baghdad, US military logs from the Afghanistan-Iraq wars and US diplomatic cables. He was charged with espionage and computer hacking in 2019 and has been fighting extradition to the US ever since. 
He claims the charges are politically motivated. Assange has been in a high-security prison for the last four years after being expelled from the Ecuadorian embassy, where he lived as a fugitive for seven years. And his stay there became a media sensation after visits by celebrities, including Lady Gaga and Pamela Anderson. He also fathered two children while living there. He didn't appear in court today due to ill health. His lawyer, Jennifer Robinson, told Times Radio he has strong grounds to appeal the UK government's decision to extradite him. This is an important case of free speech. WikiLeaks and Julian Assange engaged in journalistic activity, revealed evidence of war crimes, human rights abuse, were some of the biggest journalistic scoops in, in recent history, for which Julian's won awards the world over and been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize each year since. And he faces 175 years in prison for those very publications. But the US authorities say that the leaks put American citizens and soldiers at a serious risk of harm, torture and death. The former British Foreign Secretary William Hague says Assange should face trial. It's not about free speech. It's about the leaking of national security secrets that were damaging to the security of the Western world. Of course, there is a legal process when that happens, if somebody is accused of of doing that. He should have known what he was letting himself in for when he indulged in the publication of such leaks. This is a two-day hearing, so we'll find out tomorrow whether Assange's last-ditch attempt will succeed. Now, yesterday, we brought you the news that the wife of Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader who died last week, has vowed to fight on, on his behalf, for freedom in Russia. Well, that freedom that Yulia Navalny so passionately spoke about has already been somewhat curtailed, as today her Twitter account was suspended. Now, she only created the account yesterday as part of her campaign for liberty, tweeting this morning, give back Alexei's body and let him be buried with dignity. But already her account is gone with no word yet from the social media company X. Navalny's mother has also appealed to Putin, who they believe is responsible for his death, saying, let me see my son after five days of trying to. Times Radio has spoken to the former Prime Minister of Russia from 2000 to 2004, Mikhail Kazyanov, who worked in Vladimir Putin's first administration before he was dismissed and then became a prominent opponent himself. He said there is no doubt that the Russian government holds full responsibility. That is absolutely an awful, terrible situation. And of course, um, of course, it is clear for everyone in Russia that uh, Navalny was murdered. Uh, we don't know circumstances how exactly just the death came, but that is absolutely clear that for years he was un, uh, just unlawfully uh, was uh, arrested and kept in prison for three years and uh, tortured for three years. And uh, that is absolutely clear that full responsibility authorities and Mr. Putin in particular, just they, they, they have this responsibility. Uh, that is clearly, uh, and there is no doubt about this. He also said there was unity amongst the opposition groups. We all are with the same, with the same view. We, against uh, this regime, we condemn just Putin's aggression against Ukraine. That's absolutely the case. We united in this feeling and these judgments. And uh, we cannot do more than that other than informing people 
and explaining Russian people through communications, we still have a little, just to inform them, just uh, and creating an alternative points of view on uh, a different judgment on, on everything what's happening inside Russia or outside. So there are some that are still speaking out, seemingly unafraid of criticising the Russian government. A spokesman for the Kremlin has called the allegations of poisoning Navalny absolutely unsubstantiated. The Paris Olympics are said to be the first games in which there'll be equal numbers of women and men athletes. But it still may not be the most welcoming for new mothers wanting to compete and breastfeed. The International Olympic Committee is involved in a row over its approach to breastfeeding after it refused a request by the French judo competitor Clarisse Abenyenu for her two-year-old daughter to be allowed to stay with her during the Games. Overnight stays in the Olympic Village are restricted. Clarisse won two gold medals at the Tokyo Olympics and is well-placed to win another in Paris. She returned to competition five months after giving birth and since then has always taken her daughter with her. But with no sign of the Olympic Committee changing its mind, Agmanu is said to be resigned to staying in a Paris hotel instead. Before we go, just want to point you in the direction of Jonathan Dean's piece on the BAFTA after parties, where it seems Hollywood came out to play and the celebrations lasted late into the night. It's unprecedented for our little awards due to have people like Ryan Gosling, Carrie Mulligan, Margot Robbie and Bradley Cooper all dressed up to win absolutely nothing, he writes. Head to thetimes.co.uk to read his first-hand account of Mingling with the Stars. That's all we have time for. Thanks for taking ten minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow. Thank you.